There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Kia ora, no mai, haere mai, and welcome to the last Aotearoa Rugby pod for the year. It's been a cracking year of rugby and we've got some awards to give away. So with you one last time until next season kicks off. I'm Ross Carl. Joining me as ever, James Parsons, Bryn Hall, uh, Big year, lads. Jipper, you probably well, I don't know how many rugby games you watched this year. Can you even put a number on it? Average it out <laughs> over the space of a year, about a thousand. Mate, I I couldn't tell you, but I have watched a lot of footy this year. It is um, it's been quite a quite a long season, um, but it's been an exciting season. I suppose that's a great way to start off the show is to thank you know I suppose the players, the admin staff, the management, the coaches uh, in a real trying time. Um, under COVID, uh, they've put together a hell of a season for us as spectators to to enjoy. Brett, it's not easy, is it, during these times to make this all happen the way it is? You know, can you give us maybe a bit of insight into to what the players have to go through um, in order to make this all happen? Yeah, it is. It's 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 unfortunate. I think you kind of get used to it now with obviously with COVID being in and around, and obviously the new variant that's coming around, which could you know derail our um, Super Rugby Pacifica for next year. But hopefully powers of beer working behind that because I think you know for us as, as players I think moving forward to next year it's really important to be able to play the Australian teams at Drua and the Moana Pacific in a, in a full competition but whether we go back to Aotearoa or there's two separate um, competitions to start the season that might be a, um, a solution moving forward because obviously with the new variant around but um, yeah I think more so it's just been adaptable I think Ross I think it's been adaptable and um, I guess knowing that COVID's around and you know, it's not going to be smooth sailing as, as we've seen probably the last 12 to 24 months. So, um, but we're fortunate enough that we've been able to play rugby and as for the consumer to be able to play, we've been able to play rugby and put on a product for our fans, which I think most importantly um, is what, you know, we want to do as players because um, there are, there, these have been trying times and I think for us to be able to give back and still be able to play rugby, um, it's been massive for the old mental health and being able to give people something to enjoy to. Uh, but hopefully moving forward to 2020, uh, 2022, uh, we can get a bit of normality moving back, not just with the international schedule, uh, but I think with Super Rugby and, and more so all around with competitions in the world as well. We're just dying to see Bren Hall back on the rugby field more than anything. See a couple of those skip passes to the wingers from the Crusaders, maybe another title for the Crusaders uh, next year in Super Rugby Pacific. You know, <laughs> it's been a long time, Bren. Mate, it has, it has. And I think, yeah, yeah, it burns a little bit more. I think, you know, you know you've know, been, I've been fortunate enough to do it for a while now, but I think any time you do get taken rugby away for you, for, even though it's a short period of time, you do get itchy feet. So, you know, I look at the, the Harbour boys, the uh, counties and the Auckland boys that didn't get an opportunity to play in the NPC this year. Um, I can only imagine that those boys will be rearing to go. And I've even seen on the Blues page, you know, those boys are training together already. So um, you can just see that a lot of a lot of men are ready to play. And, um, you know, just it's going to add more fuel to the fire coming towards next year, which is going to be a massive season um, with the new competition being available for next year. Okay, so this is our second year doing an awards show on our Aotearoa Rugby Pod. This year we're going to bring in a prize. Unfortunately, because of COVID, it hasn't arrived in the mail yet. The Bryn Hall yellow bib for getting away with not doing contact training goes to our number one player of the year across men, women, the world, whatever it is. 
wait for it guys it's going to be great to receive the Bryn Hall yellow <laughs> bib but first we'll make our way through domestic tries of the year we'll look at the world rugby awards we'll also talk about the eligibility through the show the change in the rules which are obviously going to help the island nations out big time in test footy we'll have a look to next year and that'll be pretty much us for the season so let's start up front Jipper. let's look at the domestic male player of the year who's your pick um, oh, it's a tough one. Um, I think there was a number of guys that stood out. I thought Luke Romano was really strong. Uh, James Tucker as well, a couple of locks there. But I, but I ended up going with um, Stevie Perifetta uh, from Taranaki. Uh, just he was sensational from game one all the way through the final. His, his ability off the tee, but also his ability to inject himself from the back was um, you know exceptional and really put Taranaki on on. Um, a 10 and 0 run, um, and, and with the with the championship to boot, so I, I think he's he was the best performing player at NPC. No surprise, it's a Blues player there, Bruno. Who have you got? <laughs> now, look, I think it was very warm. So I hate Stevie P is definitely definitely one of those people. I also had Eddie Anadi, who I thought was was fantastic with with the Hawks Bay, and was really um, a part was a massive part for them being so successful this year, but. I think for me, I've actually had bro. I picked Brett Cameron. I thought Brett Cameron was was outstanding for one or two, and you know, even for the fact that he couldn't play in that final, which you probably saw was probably the little bit of the difference in that championship final with him not being able to play. Um, look, I think the fact that he was down in Canterbury with the Crusaders, and look, things didn't go his way with being able to play as much as he wanted. But look, I think his performance is more so in his running game, his, his ability to be able to game manage and taking the learnings that he had from the Crusaders, and you know, the, as, well, that one test with the All Blacks. I thought. He was, um, you know, definitely a standout player for me. And so um, for me, it was, it was Brett Cameron. And, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that he's had to go to Japan because look, I think he was playing probably his best rugby of his career. And it's unfortunate to see him go. Fair play to him too, you know. He uh, he started off with a hiss and roar, quickly going up to the All Blacks. And I don't suppose it's easy to persevere after having to go through that and then start again. So big ups to Brett Cameron for, uh, for the way he's battled on and come up with a big performance this year. What about in the women? FPC. Who was your player of the year this year, Jipper in the FPC? Well, it's, 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 I suppose, a little bit of an outside one, but um, centre wing for Waikato and Kelsey Tanetti. I think she's got a massive future, still at school, I think. Um, so she's a, she's a real, um, I suppose, energy player, brings a lot of um, impact and, and decisive players in the game. And, and obviously with my relationship with, the coach, uh, James Semple, he speaks extremely highly of her um, and, and thinks she's got a massive future as well. So she, she carved up all year. You in the same boat there, Brenna? I thought she was outstanding. I thought she was great, and I think it's a, definitely a good player to pick. But I actually picked someone from Manawatu. I think um, Karis Dellinger, the first five out of Manawatu, was, um, was outstanding for them and was a massive part around um, their success. And look, I've obviously picked Brett Cameron, and I've obviously picked uh, Dellinger from... Um, from one or two, but look, I just think for talking around first fives for the future, um, she's been in and around that kind of environment coming up through that system, and I think just with the back to back performances she's been able to put through consistently, especially this year with that dominant one or two team, um, I probably see it as a position that you know she's uh, been watched for a little bit, while, a little time now, and the likes of Brazier that are up at the next level. Um, I think it's a great opportunity for her moving forward. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if she's a girl that um, you know that plays in that um, Super Rugby competition, and then um, you know there could be a possibility of her jumping into that um, uh, Black Ferns team later that World Cup year. Well said. Are you pushing for a green and white hoops jersey? Are you? 
I, yeah, apparently it's just kind of worked out that way, hasn't it? But um, look, you got especially in that competition, the Farrah Palmer. I thought they were, you know, like they were they were the best team in that championship comp, and and look, she was one of the um, the focal points in that team for sure. What about Super Bryn? Who do you like out of Super? Who was your number one? Yeah, I, I had I had a couple. Look, I think Artie Severe. Um, he had a he had a great year, and no doubt he's going to actually going to be nom- probably nominated for World Player of the Year. I think more so when we talk about New Zealand players, um, international players of the year. But then I think um, Cody Taylor was massive in Super Rugby Aotearoa, especially he um, had some outstanding performance and was probably one of the best players in that comp. And then um, then I also Dave, I had David Harvilli as another option who I thought was outstanding and fantastic in their number twelve jersey and getting that kind of um, I guess game time at 12 and been able to play consistently. But I actually went for Damien McKenzie. I thought Damien McKenzie, especially in Super Rugby Aotearoa, there were two, there were a lot of times where he won the game on his boot. And then the fact that he was going from 15 to 10, um, look, I don't think the Chiefs win a lot of those games without Damien, his ability to be able to play 10 or 15 and, you know, getting some massive goal kicks in that Super Rugby Aotearoa competition. Yeah, he was superb, wasn't he? Um, Jeppo, what about you? Yeah, look, I... I... One of my options was Damo. Uh, I think Dalton Papali'i was really uh, strong throughout the whole campaign. Um, Artie Savez, as Bryn alluded to. Uh, but I think Davey Havili, um, purely for the impact he had, um, you know, when he was missing in Trans-Tasman, it was, it was a noticeable hole um, because of what he delivered so well in, in Super Rugby Aotearoa. And I just think, you know, the form that he had uh, going through the whole of Super and then into those first few test matches, he was just on fire the whole the whole um comp so I, I think he's a worthy winner and it showed in his all black selection in the end didn't it Bryn? like you just couldn't ignore him yeah you couldn't you know he was, he was warranted on on his um selection you know for a guy that you know had gone through a couple of years arguably you'd think he should have been in and around that environment with just how consistent he was and how influential he was for us in the past three four years but you know for the fact that he played really really well in that Aotearoa and like Jip said we did miss him massively in that trans tasman competition especially in that last game when we played against the rebels uh with a late call out and that's in that game but yeah then obviously played really well during that um, series with the Fijians and, and the Tongan game as well. And then again, I think it was more so just getting the opportunity to understand what it is to be a 12 at international level. So look, I think he'll be relatively happy to be back in that environment, but knowing Dave, um, he's a competitive guy. And so he'll want to be able to take the um, the learnings and the experiences of, you know, probably those last two test matches and even the South African test matches moving forward into 2022. What about coaches? Um, there's obviously some teams that have done some incredible things this year. The Blues um, obviously built towards something they've been building to for a long time and got that title, Jipper. Um, Leon McDonald on your list? Yeah, he's definitely there. Um, Leon's there. I think Ross Filippo as well with um, the Waikato NPC side. And, you know, the, I suppose the adversity they faced with having to leave Hamilton and, and base themselves away from home and uh, take it all the way was, was pretty exceptional. And then I think, you know, Scott Robinson, another title, um, and, and Clayton McMillan, what he did with the Chiefs. I mean, there's plenty of options here in, in New Zealand, but I, I think, um, you know, what, what Leon did, um, obviously close to my heart, so it's a little bit biased, but I think what he did for us in the Trans-Tasman, um, coming off the back of a really probably below par Super Rugby Aotearoa, um, and to bounce back and, and get a title in that Trans-Tasman was massive. Where are you going, Brad? 
Yeah, look, I had obviously Rangi winning uh, Super Rugby. Obviously, Trans Tasman was was big for that Blues, um, for that big, big Blues team. Obviously, with um, the growth that they've had the past couple of years, um, he was definitely a worthy nomination for me. But um, you obviously got Razor, who's won a cha- who's won a championship as well. And then I thought Clayton McDonald, what he did previously with the Chiefs last year, who you know went on that horrible run and to be able to get them into a final for Super Rugby, I'd say I thought it was a massive achievement. But um, I've actually gone locally. I've gone Willie Rickards for Taranaki. I think any time you can. Um, you know, go undefeated in a season. And if you look around the previous season before, um, they didn't do so well. And so to be able to win the championship and, you know, to win um, 10 games in a row, um, it's a massive achievement. So um, I've gone Willie Rickards from um, Taranaki. He's my coach of the year. Solid. Um, now, one of the things that the fans always love is the try of the year. I mean, I'm always in the Luke Jacobson camp, you know, with anything that <laughs> happens anytime ever. Um, you know, pity that he can't be our international player of the year, but uh, you like his try that he had this year. Was it against Argentina, James? Yeah, it was. A little quick tap from TJ Perinara, and they go the distance with that ridiculous offload um, from Bodie. I, I think everyone will remember that. And it was just a day that they were on song and, and scoring points from, you know, deep within their territory, and, and it was a pleasure to watch. Um, other option as well, I, I suppose, is Sever Reese's one against the, the Welsh. Um, you know, that was pretty exceptional late in the game with, with guys like Artie and Rico putting in uh, big efforts there to, to set him up. So, um, but yeah, Luke Jacobson uh, is, is the number one for me. Nice, nice. It was a bloody good try. And of course, Luke Jacobson should be on every list in this entire thing because he's just such a standout player. <laughs> Brent, not that I'm biased. Brent, who are you going for? What are you going for? It is, it is, look, it is hard to go past um, Luke Jacobson. Um, I did have a notable mention with for Eddie Anadi, um against um, Tasman um, when they played them down in Napier. I think um, you know a lot of times it went through, went down that short side. I think it went through four or five hands to different people, and then um, Eddie scored in the corner. So he was one notable mention that I did have. And then Sever Reese is like lit, like Jip alluded to. Um, that was a fantastic try, and the fact that you know the game was a. At a good time and bringing on the bench, and uh, we talked around that game. The bench coming on and really any impact, and, and Sebi was was at the forefront of that. And then, but I think you can't go past Luke Jacobson's try. Look, the, the foot pass that Bowden Barrett did to to score that try. Um, it won't be just talked about this year, but it'll be talked around um, for the rest of um, for the rest of time with how great that try was, and so many people were involved in that try as well. So um, I've got to go, Luke Jacobson, your man as well, uh, Ross. But so good, so good. If only we had another yellow bib for Luke Jacobson. But, Brent, let's get straight on to the yellow bird. Male player of the year in New Zealand, who have you got? Uh, I've got Nardi Severe. I've got Nardi Severe. Look, I think he doesn't need a yellow bib. I need a yellow bib whenever I go up against him, so whenever I see him anywhere near me. But, um, now, look, I think, look, we talked around Super Rugby with how influential he was with the um, with the Hurricanes and, and the fact and taking on that captaincy role, I thought, um, added to a string to his bow and having an understanding of what it is to be captain and then... Um, you come into the All Black season. Look, there's, if there's one guy you wanted on uh, that you'd put in that starting fifteen uh, to start with, it'd be Artie Severe. Not only just his his presence that he has physicality wise, but you know he does this whether it's a pick and go through the middle and getting those really hard yards, or it's a big turnover and big test matches against Australians or other test matches that he's had this year. Um, he's been so consistent, and for someone that plays so abrasive and so physically like that, the, the ability to be able to play those test matches throughout the year, um, I think Artie Severe is, is, is my is my play of the year for New Zealand. In New Zealand, sorry. You, Jibber? Yeah, well, there's a, I mean, there's a couple of guys that have really um, had strong efforts every time they've gone out there. I think Dalton Papali's really um, stepped up at 
test match level. Um, Artie definitely has been huge um, year for him as well. Geordie Barrett, a couple of uh, match-winning goals and, and big performances at, at fullback there. Uh, but I've gone uh, with with Rex. Uh, I think Rico's had a massive year, not just an attack. You know, like his ability to you know sort of put the team first, whether he's at centre or he's on the wing. You know, he did what was asked of him in those uh, moments. But more importantly, the, the efforts we saw from Rex on D. Uh, I don't know if you remember in Perth, uh, he chased uh, back about you know forty or fifty meters meters to stop a try. He did it the other day against the French as well, and, and we're seeing more and more often, I suppose, his speed um, allowing him to, to make some real big defensive plays as well as the attacking stuff. So I think Reeks should be really proud of his year and, and what he delivered for the All Blacks. They really looked good when he had ball in hand, especially when they were trying to attack out of their own 22, their own 40. He was a major difference for them, wasn't he? Yeah, it's just that injection of pace, man. It's just so lethal. And, and that's what, like, well, we haven't seen it. Um, you know, I suppose in the defensive side, we've always known him for the attacking, but some of those, I think he got up to 39 Ks or something when he was chasing back. Um, uh, I can't even remember, I think it was Tom Wright or, or Corden Betty in Perth there, but um, he, he's it's just, um, you know, he's a freak when it comes to that stuff. And, and the best thing this year, more often than not, we saw him um, pull it out in big moments and, and score good tries, but also save them. 39 Ks, Brenner, what are you clocking? Nothing around there, mate. Nothing around there. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. He'll be uh, he'll give me a bloody meter head start, and I still won't catch him. He still won't get off. He'll be catch me. Sorry. Do you all know exactly what your top speed is in kilometres per hour, Bryn? Is it, is it given to you? you? Everyone knows how fast they are at top speed. Yeah, yeah there's, there's the GPS units that you wear um, in trainings and in games. So, look, yeah, any top end speed, it's 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 accumulated, and then you get to be able to see it at the end of the week. And so, I remember a big fan, big uh, big Jeff on my on my left actually would always see their GPS numbers and saying how fast he got in trainings and how fast he got into his game. Just seeing how quick he was. So, um, it's good competition as well. You know, good competition between the boys, and uh, there's always a bit of good good bit of banter if you're slow or not, or if, if you've got a bit, bit more speed. So, it's always well, it's always it's always good. <laughs> Go on then, Jeff. What is it? Oh, no, I, I actually can't remember what my top one is, but um, I'd say I probably hit, hit my fastest would have been, um, I suppose, against Auckland. There was an intercept, so I had a bit of bit of metres to get, get wound up. Um, and then I suppose against the Waratahs, I scored a try from far out, which um, would have um, led to a few high Ks. But I actually can't remember. I think, to be fair, I got most of my fastest times at training. I was blowing too much in the game. Uh, so, so what's class then? What's world class? How do you know that this guy is super fast in a rugby context? Like, what is the pace that you want to be above? Oh, look, I think if you're a, yeah, I think if you're an outside back, that anything over that kind of 34 to 35k in a, an hour, right, right, Jop? That's the kind of, the real elite yeah. kind of. Uh, there's, there's another measurement as well. They do metres per second. And I think if you're, if you're over 10 metres per second, you're humming. You know, yeah. like that's that's a that's a good hundred time, and I, I'm pretty sure Reeks is close to eleven. Was his best I saw him get at training, eleven meters per so second, think, which is yeah. Going because you, you, would you say Jimmy said thirty eight, thirty nine k? That's what Rico was at, yeah. Yeah, I think so in that game. Yeah, so like just to give it back, so Will Jordan is the fastest at, our, at the Crusaders, and he's like thirty six, thirty six, thirty seven. So it just shows how fast Rico is. If, that's, if those are the numbers, and if, if Rico was at 38, 39, like, like Jip's saying, 
then it just shows that you really know how fast Will Jordan is. He's an extra two kilometers faster. So there you go, Ross. That's how you know how quick um, Rico Ioani is. That's incredible. Like three k's an hour. Yeah. You know, where <laughs> if you if you're going to crash into him, there's a big difference there, right? Yeah. But you can see it. Um, that try scored against the French is like there wasn't much of a gap there, but he just, you know, he's gone. You know, and, and he can get up to that speed so quick. You know, he doesn't need, you know, 20 metres to get humming like this old bull. Um, he can just get there straight away. <laughs> yeah, speaking of this old bull, uh, we're adding in another prize um, to this thing. Uh, Bryn, I just want to go to you first for who you think this might be. Um, retired player with the best rig um, in New Zealand. <laughs> who could that be? I'll tell you what, mate. There's only one, the one and only on my left. If, if you talk around moments of the year, um, Ross, um, take aside rugby. The moment of the year is, is James Parsons at 20. Is it at 27, Joe? Is that your, your should, username handle? Uh, I, I shouldn't have put it up. I knew is I was going to get Nah, mate. That was honestly uh, the moment of the year. You've got a guy on the left here that's sitting at 96, dripping wet and just ripped to bits. So that's been my <laughs> mate, moment of the year, Ross. No, none of this rugby. What? It's been seeing Chipper ripped to bits. Instagram crashed, like immediately <laughs> crashed. <laughs> The activity was right there. The trending, uh, far out. I, I'm surprised that you're not off on an international modelling gig right now. Well, to be fair, Richard Mayhew taught me if you can get your kid in there, it's all it's almost acceptable. So yeah, I got I got my daughter in there, so it's you know somewhat. You know, he's one of the best of utilising his children to get his rig out. Or Rich Mayhew. <laughs> oh yeah, that's it. Such a caring, ripped up father figure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What a niche. <laughs> I, I, oh, well. I knew I was going to get some grief, but it certainly got more attention than I thought. <laughs> well, let's move on then to the World Rugby Awards. Obviously, they named a few people. I think there's a couple of questions about how it went down. Obviously, no New Zealanders made the list. Um, Antoine Dupont, obviously, superb player. Michael Hooper probably should be there every single year. Maro Toji, I think, is there every single year. And Samu Karebi had such a huge impact on the Wallabies, Chipper. Uh, which one of these four guys do you think it's going to be? Oh, it's hard because, like, I agree with you. Michael Hooper, man, like, the impact he has on games, um, you know, how he's always sort of, you know, injury-free and just delivering um, both sides of the ball and, and just, you know, gives it death to, to the last minute every time. DuPont, I, I think it's between those two personally. I, I don't think Karevi probably played enough footy to, to go past um, Hooper or DuPont. And I just think those two players have have had more of an impact on, um, I suppose, games than than Otoji. And, um, and I suppose Karevi's had massive impact, but he's only been there a few times. So I think Hooper or DuPont will, will get that. Hmm. Being a playmaker and open side obviously helps in these awards more than that. You don't see many hookers or props get these kind of things. Well, where do you reckon it'll go, Bryn? Yeah, I think, look, I think it's between Hooper Hooper and, and DuPont, I think. Um, yeah, I think Simon Karevi was outstanding in the influence that he did have in games, but he just didn't play that much. If he goes over to the NDA Tour and consistently plays how he did during the Rugby Championship, then I probably think, you know, he'd be the front runner and so Otoje. You know, he's always going to be in and around there, and it just shows how consistent he he has been over the last you know three four years. He's always in and around that that um that conversation now. But look, I think it's gonna I think it's gonna be Dupont, um, just for the fact that um how how he's played through the whole year and um his combination with Intermac has been 
has been world class. And the only reason why I say that um, Hoop is probably at, uh, um, at coming in second is just, and I know it's an individual based award, but I think for the fact that NDA tour, and I, look, I know it's not as fold with the performance that the, the, the Wallabies did put in, they were in, injury depleted and um, a few players didn't go over, but I think to the fact, you know, losing those test matches over there has to have some form of um, accountability around that. And so look, Hooper out and out is, you know, one of the best players in the world, but I think just for the fact that they're back into the tour for me, um, it just gives the pond the edge and winning the um, best player in the world. And he's, I mean, the way that people talked about him, he obviously deserves that he's been like that for a couple of years now. What about with the women? We've got Zoe Alcroft from England, Poppy Cleal from England, Caroline Bougard from France, and Laurie Sansis from France. I hope I pronounced um, those two ones right. But where do you think we go, Jipper, on this? Oh, I think um, I think you could go for anyone from England at the moment, the way they're playing. They're, they're um, exceptional. Um, but probably Poppy is is the pick for me. Um, for it, I just think that team is is extremely um, talented and, and and great to watch. So um, you know, as I say, anyone uh, from that squad is is playing you know the house down at the moment. Yeah. Same for you. Yeah, yeah. I'm the same. One. I'm the same. One. I'm the same on that one with Poppy. But then obviously I, I like Bouchard as well um, from France. Um, you know, I like I like watching her play and. I think she played really well against um you know the black fans in the last the two test matches but look that england side is is scary and you know we talked around how much um how much do black fans have to do coming into next year with how dominant they are and um you know poppy one was one for me that i thought was a really big standout and now that england team what are they now ross 18 in a row 18 test yeah. matches in a row is that it Phenomenal. so any time you can win on a test matches um you know just shows that england uh the, the dominant part of the world at the moment with rugby and female rugby now, we've touched on Will Jordan a little bit already, and you would think in any other year he'd be a lay down in his ear for this. You know, the amount of tries he scored, the fact that every time he touches the ball, it's on for Will Jordan, both at, you know, super level and at test level. He is just an absolute incredible talent. But Callaway, Reese Zammett, Smith, there are some good backs that have come in this year across Australia and Wales and England. What do you think is the way to go with this one, Jabba? Oh, I agree. Um, Reese Zammett and Callaway are extremely talented young men and, and have had, you know, I suppose, massive years in terms of their career from where they were at the start to, to where they are now and, and how well respected they are internationally. But I, I just can't go past Will Jordan, man. Like, some of Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The things he's pulled off this year are just freakish. Like, he is... He is seriously talented, and, and I think you know, a, a clear winner for me. He's pushed hard by Callaway probably the most um, in terms of breakout, um, but, yeah, Will Jordan, man. Just some of it. Even the ones he didn't score. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like his, his assist and, and, and his work off the ball, like, yeah, he, he should win that one, I'm, I'm certain of. He's quite amazing. Is he also a high-quality flatmate, Brenner? Does he live up to that same level Monday to Friday? 
I'll tell you what, he's not he's not the breakthrough flat mate, that's for sure. But um <laughs> no, he, he's good. He's good. He's uh no, he's good, he's a good kid. He's growing up really, really fast and so I think, you know, I think just more so this year. He's taking it to another level. Um, you talk around his influences in games and in big moments, you know, whether it be a chipper chase against the Welsh team or it's off a counter-attacking, getting through the middle and, and breaking through, or even his work rate off the ball as well. Um, you know, he's, he's world-class there. And, and also defensively, he's made massive um, improvements in that department, which probably um, is one thing that he probably wanted to work on. But, you know, then I look at Callaway as well. Callaway's been had an outstanding year with someone that's probably been um, earmarked for a while in, the, in, in that environment and over, the, over that side of the world. And now he's really had, had a great year. But no, look, you just can't go past Will Jordan. I think the, 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 the tries that he's had, the ways he's scored them, the way he's influenced games, um, I think, yeah, it's, it's Will Jordan for sure. Mm. And I think the amazing thing about him, and it's such a good message to kids out there playing the game. <clears throat> Excuse me while I clear my throat. Will Jordan didn't make all of the rep teams. You know, he was an undersized guy. He played halfback through high school. He wasn't that guy who was to the man of born at 14 that everyone's like, this guy's going to be an all black, you know? And then sometimes there is talent lying within people at schools that doesn't get recognized till a little bit later on when they've had the growth spurt and they've had someone commit to them and show them that interest, Jipper. It is still possible to get there outside of the system. Oh, massively. And I, and I think what it teaches you at that age is when you have a bit of adversity, um, you, you know, you sort of learn how to work hard and, and you know, your want and your desire to, to get to the top is, you know, a lot stronger because they've, they've suffered that, um, I suppose, heartache earlier on. And, and I think that's what, like, these impacts that Will's having on games isn't by luck, you know. Like, he, he's working so hard off the ball that he's creating more opportunities than not to be involved and, and have the opportunity to make a difference in these games. And I think that's a cornerstone of that um, growth and, and his work ethic through his younger years. Uh, he's still so young now, but you know what I mean? Like back through um, missing out on those teams is now um, probably his biggest strength. Yeah, looking um, at the next award coming from the World Rugby Awards, the Coach of the Year. Now, obviously, Alan Bunting and Corey Sweeney from the Sevens team with their gold, you know, those guys are legendary with what they've done with that side over the last, you know, four or five years. Dave Rennie, of course, is making um, the Wallabies look better and better and better, soon to hire Jipper within his coaching staff after all the praise he's been given this year. Simon Middleton from the England women, like, they look so slick. We've waxed lyrical about them. The other person on the list is Ian Foster, um, who, <laughs> despite being on that list and winning a couple of trophies, is copping it sweet right now in the New Zealand media and in a lot of conversations around the place. Where do you guys think this should go? Obviously, they'd made some of these decisions before the latest results. Uh, who wins this? I think based on results, um, Middleton or Bunting um, and Corey Sweeney, you know, like gold medal at the Olympics, it's the pinnacle event. Um, you'd have to think um, in this year that that's got to play a big part in, in picking this. But also, you know, we've obviously spoken very highly about that, the dominance of that um, English team coached by Middleton. So um, I, I think those are your two front runners. Same for you, Bryn. Yeah, I think so. I think, um, you know, you look at the sevens, the sevens coaches, um, I think the fact that they did win their gold and, you know, that's that's the pinnacle if you're looking around in the sevens, that's winning a gold medal. And so, you know, the fact of how dominant, if you're talking about dominancy with uh, the English woman, 
um, the dominance that the the, the the girls have had in the sevens as well is massive. And then I think, you know, with Middleton as well, the fact that you can win 18 test matches and been able to be so consistent um, in doing that for a long period of time, um, again, and it's not just the fact that they're winning games, they're dominating teams. And you look at the black fence, you probably think um, are one of the top two in the world before going over. Um, the fact that they uh, beat them that convincingly in, in two test matches, um, you know, arguably um, probably the best team in the world, especially in the women's game. But anytime you have consistency around that for longevity, um, you've got to be rewarded. So I think it's, yeah, like I, I agree with Chip, it's going to go one or two ways that way. The most entertaining coach of the year probably goes to Rassi Erasmus. Um, but what about team of the year overall? Who's the team of the year internationally, Jeppa? Oh, that's a hard one because there's been a lot of inconsistency, you know, like throughout the year, if you look at the Six Nations, uh, Wales obviously winning that, um, England and Ireland, um, you know, a couple of losses and, and the, fr the French, um, you know, sort of you know, awesome one week and then, you know, losing games last minute the next. Um, so, and then we obviously know that the, the Southern Hemisphere teams really struggled, um, you know, on the end of year tour. So, so it has been a tough one, but I, I think the Springboks after, you know, not having played for so long, then the Lions tour, um, and then, you know, yeah, they've had some losses, but, you know, for the most part, they've held up the world number one ranking. So, I think they have to be the worthy team of the year um, for, for what adversity they faced coming off the back of no rugby together to put the year they've put in, um, I think was was massive. Some solid headlines from the box this year. Brenna, you like them as the as the best team of the year? Yeah, I think so. But there's honourable mentions. I think you are right. There's been a lot of inconsistencies with, with the top teams and it just shows how competitive, you know, within the Six Nations and then the Northern Hemisphere and Southern Hemisphere teams playing. Um, you got to give credit to Ireland. I think, you know, their performance against the All Blacks and the way that they did it, even though the light, the light, the, the scoreline doesn't reflect it, watching that game, you knew who, who, were the, who the better team was physically and mentally that day. So Ireland definitely, um, for me, was a massive, um, enjoyed seeing them. But I think South Africa, anytime you can um, do the Lions series and get be successful around that and then coming into the Rugby Championship and finding their way, probably finding their way through the early part of that competition and then beating the All Blacks in that, in that last game was, was a massive feat. And then going over to the, to the Northern Hemisphere over there as well. Um, yeah, I definitely think it's, it's South Africa this year. And you think about the preparation they've had, we talk around the preparation with other teams. We look at Argentina, who really struggled with the preparation side of things, and even the All Blacks, the fact in the last two test matches, just for a long tour and not being the usual status quo tour and year, but, you know, South Africa found a way to, to win. And, um, and for me, they're probably deserving of that number one world ranking in the world. Totally. Now, moving on, we've had a couple of other changes in world rugby over the last little while, which could affect these rankings in the next few years. And that is the change in the eligibility rules, the ability for people to swap nations with a gap of three years if they've got parents, grandparents who are from their nation um, or they're from there themselves originally. Now, of course, this is going to be huge for the islands. I think we all agree that this is great for Pacific rugby and that they can really call on the talent um, that's there. The other thing is that will it make the big change that is going to even everything up, Chipper? You know, is it enough? Is it is it a token gesture that will help? Is, is it something that's going to change it for all time? Do you think it's it's enough, Chipper? Oh, I, th I think it will help massively. You know, the, the, the type of player and the skill set and the professionalism um, that would be coming into these environments, you know, 
um, when you've got senior players, you know, they're like an extra coach. And, and we all know that, you know, most of the best sides are, I suppose, led really well. And there's, there's a strong, um, you know, if we look at the current list, a strong number of leaders and skillful footy players coming to this environment. So that's only going to, you know, uplift everyone else around them. Um, and I think we just spoke about the inconsistencies um, or the up and down nature of results. But how much more enjoyment and excitement has that brought to world rugby? Because you're actually turning up to test matches now and you've got no clue who's going to win um, because it's that tight. And this is only going to further enhance these test matches to be tighter, which is growing our game globally. And the product is more addictive to watch when you know, you're unsure of who's going to win. So I, I think it's a great um, step in the right direction. I'm really excited to see um, some of these players um, represent their, their um, nation their second nation or first nation, however they see it now, um, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. Like, I don't know if it's enough or if it's not enough, but I'm looking forward to watching it unfold. Mm. We've already seen Adi come out and say that he'd love to go and play for Samoa Bryn. Um, you know, how many All Blacks do you think could possibly do that? And I suppose an extension of that question, does that change the way that players plan their careers? You know, do you do you look at it and say, well, I want to play for both of these countries. When am I going to do it? You know, it, it changes an approach to what a 10, 12 year career that most people kind of have that kind of span. Yeah, I think it does. It, it opens up those avenues of being able to to play for both for both nations. And so you think around it, you know, let's say, for example, you know, Artie, for example, wants to play, you know, five, six years or another two years in. In New Zealand for the All Blacks, and then decides to go overseas for whatever reason. As an example, you know there is there is a possibility after that three years that he's going to have the opportunity to be able to do that. And so not just Artie, but other players um, will be able to have the opportunity. And you can, you're right, Ross. You can start planning around um, playing for you know being an All Black, a Wallaby, English playing for the English, but then having the opportunity to to be able to go and play for your your home nation or you know your birthright or your parents or your grandfather or grandma's from so i think it's great that those avenues have been open but i think you know first and foremost that it has been open it's just going to be so good to be able to have a competition and there's having competitiveness within the island nations because we know what they give to world rugby not just in the just for us as a, as a country but everywhere around the world and for the fact that they're going to have the opportunity to go and play uh, for their home nations and be competitive and be able to have a competitive product for them um, I think it's it's a it's a real pat on the back for for the powers that be that we're able to get that over the line because we've known for so long um, that that hasn't happened and it's kind of been turned away. But you know there were a lot of lot of conversations that had and um, I think it's great and it's going to be great to see um, a lot of these guys that we want to see in the 2023 World Cup. But there are some people who aren't happy about this when most of the world appears to be Georgia, Uruguay spent a lot of time building up their local talent base. They don't necessarily have the connections to other nations the way that, you know, Tonga and Samoa and Fiji is so much a part of New Zealand society as well. You know, they're, they're out on, on their own in a lot of ways, and they feel like this could cost them and their ability to qualify for World Cups and to become a threat to Tier 1 nations. Is that a legitimate gripe, Jipper? Oh look, I can understand um, their concern, um, but if they if they look at the, um, I suppose the systems and processes they've put in place, both those nations are improving, and and I suppose that's what they need to just focus on is is nailing their own um, systems so that they can get the very best out of their players, um, and and then as we've spoken about a length, um, if there's players that um, have a strong connection to Tonga, Fiji, Samoa and it is their second um, 
uh, I suppose, international team they've played for, then I don't think anyone would want to stop that. Um, you know, we, we, we have spoken about it on here is that, that they are Samoan Kiwi or Samoan Australian, and that's how they, um, you know, perceive themselves and that's how they want to be represented. So for them to have the opportunity to go and do exactly that, I think is fantastic. Hmm. And that's probably it, isn't it? Getting an understanding of how this actually works on the other side of the world. It's not black and white when it comes to identity and nationality and family and all those things. You, you've got to really understand it, don't you? Uh, the other side of this, Britain, is that teams could, players, sorry, could swap between tier one nations. You know, Akira could go and play for Japan. Hoskins Atutu, I'm told, could play for England. James O'Connor and Quade Cooper could play for the All Blacks. You know, does that seem, I suppose, when you open up a set of rules, you've got to do it that way, but do you think that that could legitimately happen? Oh, look, I think the players, you know, James O'Connor and Quake Cooper, I don't think they're going to, you know, be playing for New Zealand anytime soon at, at, at all. Uh, but like, I think what it, what it does, I think the main thing, it, it brings competitiveness to international rugby. And so we've talked around, you know, the six or seven teams that, you know, if there's a World Cup right now, we've talked around how the Northern Hemisphere um, teams have really jumped on board and moved up in the, in a, upward direction probably the southern hemispheres are lacking a little bit in, in that department but then you add the pacific island nations you know fiji samoa tonga and they have players of that caliber which i think is really important it's the caliber of players that you can bring into that environment and then be able to grow to be able to grow from that so um, i think for our for world rugby and our competition for us to be able to you know have more viewers to bring more people in to watch rugby the more competitive competitiveness we have in international rugby, um, it's only going to be better for our for our product and for rugby moving forward and making more money and getting more eyes on the product, um, which is probably the most thing that we want as as rugby players. Yeah, it's it's good to think for the game overall. What about we look at the All Blacks for next season now? Twelve out of fifteen this year, um, Jipper. Are they in a place where they can build from this? And and how would you rate maybe out of ten? this year and where it lets them stand for next year yeah well i think it's you know it can be judged on trophies like there's there's a lot of trophies in the cabinet a lot of special key ones and in, in the Bledisloe cup and um, the rugby championship and, and a number of other uh, one-off games so I, I still think they're around a seven out of ten um i know for their standards they probably see it a little bit lower than that but um you know in terms of uh, bringing back what matters. Um, yeah, we don't like losing tests, but I think it could be a great turning point and, and an ability for um, them to take stock and, and move in the same direction that the team took in 2009 leading to the 2011 World Cup. Um, and, and I don't think, it, as I've said before, I, I just don't think it's as um, doomsday as, as it may feel at the moment um, for us. I think there'll be a lot of positive change to come off the back of it and and we'll be a better um, you know, squad going into 2023. And, and look, I'm not just saying we focus on the World Cup either. You know, like we're, we're an all-black team that wants to win every test, but it does give us the ability to um, take a long as at, at this and, and make some shifts. Hopefully that, are, you know, they impact us straight away. Um, but if not, then, you know, we're building towards that World Cup. And the key shifts, Bryn? What are the key shifts here for this team? Oh, look, I think any time, you know, we've had trouble in test matches, you know, you look at the couple of the, the loss against South Africa and then against Ireland and France, I think we've talked about it at length. And when the All Blacks are going really well, it's playing at high tempo and being able to, to get that ball out quick with Nuggie or whoever's selected at nine and getting that ball out quick to our decision makers and our guys out on the edge and letting them do what they do. So I think it's been able to win down, winning those, winning the breakdown 
and being efficient at the breakdown like those Northern Hemisphere teams. You know, you look at the island, the way that they would be able to have hold on for the ball for long periods of time to be able to get a penalty or to go for goal or to be able to score tries off that quick ball. Um, I think that's one thing that we need to get back to and no doubt that's probably one thing that um, the coaching staff will be wanting to get better and being better in that for longer periods of time. Um, and then I think also attacking off slow ball when we've got line speed pressure against us. I think the fact that we haven't been able to get that that quick ball, it's been able to then attack off that slow ball. What does that look like? Has it been able to go through the middle like we saw in those test matches? Or is it going to a kicking game with the contestable mindset with off Nuggy or off 10 crossfield kicks that we saw from Bodie and Geordie? So there are things that we have done throughout the year that uh, we have been able to get better against line speed. But I think, again, it's just a continuation of being able to to attack off that slow ball when we're not getting that, that tempo and being able to play at the high speed tempo that we want to. So I think those are two things that, that we can do. And I think probably the last one as well, um, it's being able to um, to attack off our off the box kicks or contestable kicks that come at us. And look, I know some teams have played a lot of bit, a lot more rugby. I look at France and Ireland who played did play a lot of rugby, but I think, again, it is a continuation of trying to get better. If the teams do want to kick against us and put us in um, contestable focus, um, we've got to be able to attack off that. What does that look like? Is it running? been able to build pressure or is it kicking back on our terms and be able to build pressure um, like those other teams do as well. What's your favourite moment? I'll go to both of you on this. Chip, are you first. Favourite moment, any level of rugby this year, what did you enjoy the most? Um, I think the 100th test, I know it wasn't um, the spectacle everyone wanted, but I think a, a special moment in time, that 100th test versus the Springboks. And, and the fact that we, we won it was was important, I think. And, um, you know, it, it, everyone was obviously disappointed it wasn't a free-flowing test match, but I think it was a test match um, fitting of the rivalry, um, just how hard fought it was and, and down to the last minute. So I, I probably enjoyed that the most. Are you, Brent? I had two had two moments. Um, it was probably actually the Northern Hemisphere. The Northern Hemisphere tour was was big for me. Um, we talked about it at length just how con consistent and I guess sorry how good the Northern Hemisphere teams were, and I guess the the learnings and the things that the Southern Hemisphere teams need to be able to to adapt with with the fact of how those Northern tours went. But um, that was one for me. But for me, my best moment of the year was actually uh, my old mate on the left. His commentary, uh, Hawks Bay Taranaki. At the uh the ground the great ground in Taranaki, um the kind of emotion that uh, my old mate showed um I've even heard it uh, recently uh, just the the passion that Jopper you had mate on that day was um was definitely definitely a highlight it was the moment of the year for myself. <laughs> well, that's oh, nice. You are good. <laughs> well, maybe we should combine that with the next question: was what do you want to see in twenty twenty two? And now it's probably just more of James Parsons with his shirt off on Instagram. Is that the uh, is that the way you're going to go, Brent? It is, mate. It is. I think you know he's he's, he's been working hard on the behind the behind the back, and I think for the fact you know he's only going to grow. He's not retired. He's mate. He's he's on a new he's on a new road now, and so it's to get on that jockey's on that jockey's brain very soon. And I look forward to maybe possibly seeing more more abs coming through at the back in the 2022. This is a stitch up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how many times we can get that photo up in the show, but I'm going to be pushing for <laughs> lots of times. <laughs> and so maybe away from your Instagram post, Chipper, what's the one thing you want to see in rugby in 2022? Um, just just get through full seasons, I suppose. The hardest thing this year was seeing three teams not being able to complete their year. So, um, you know, it's not going anywhere. Um, and it's just, 
we've got to find a way um, to get these games played um, so that everyone can, one, enjoy watching them, but the players can uh, get reward for the hard pre-seasons that they put in and, and actually get to do what they love, and that's playing footy. Nice. That Sorry, like Ross. I will... to break your returns. <laughs> Go yeah. on, Bryn. Uh, sorry, Ross. I obviously, we gave it a bit of stick to Big Chipper, but I guess two things that I actually am looking forward to for next year um, is um, is actually seeing them one of Pacifica and in, 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 in the um, in the Pacifica Pacific competition, Super Rugby Pacific. Because um, look, we have talked about at length how much Pacific nations have given to the um, to this part of the world, and so I've been able to see them, and hopefully they are competitive um, in the early parts of that competition. Because look, there'd be nothing better at Mount Smart. I need like I think about Mount Smart uh, for the minor Pacifica team. If they get a roll on and. You see the scenes of the Tongan team when they came here with the rugby league, and we know how how much supporters there are in the community when it comes to the Pacific Nations, especially in Auckland. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. And for me as well, um, it's, it's the Australian teams in, in our competition being more competitive. Um, I think you know the Super Rugby AU they were they were, had great uh, domestic rivalries, and you know you look at their Reds final that they had, um, it was a great encounter and was really close down to the end. But I think you know for them, you'd like to think David Rennie would want to see. The Australian team's been a lot more competitive in winning games in New Zealand and against New Zealand teams um, in 2022. So that's your prediction for Super Rugby Pacific, is it? Maybe a tighter contest and maybe a contest not won by a New Zealand team, Brent? Oh, I think, look, the New Zealand teams are, are going to be hard to beat. And look, that's, you know, just if you look at the fact of how they play and uh, how consistent we've, we've been over the years. But I think, look, the Australian, you look at the Australian team in general and what, with what David Rennie's been able to implement in that team. And the great thing about that environment is they'll be able to go off to their Super Rugby franchise and be able to, um, you know, upskill other people within their, their Super Rugby environments of what they learned at the Wallabies. And so I think, and the fact that they have played the New Zealand teams and have a better understanding of, of how we play again, because, look, we did have that time but we didn't play them due to COVID and they had a, um, an introduction to be able to um, to play us again and understand what it is to play Kiwi teams. But I would like to think, Ross, that it's going to be a lot more competitive for the fact that, um, you know, that, that Trans-Tasman last, uh, this year, they were playing good footy. Um, and even though the results weren't put on against um, the New Zealand teams, you'd like to think the learnings and the kind of experience that they did play, the New Zealand teams, it'll set them a lot better coming into 2022 next year. So Crusaders Centurion Bryn Hall, a master of handing favoritism to somebody else. Who wins Super Rugby Pacific next year? <laughs> oh, look, I think we, we talked about it at length last week. I think um, we've always got aspirations to win competitions. And look, I think um, we've been fortunate enough to have a lot of experience around that and, and what that looks like. But, um, you know, you look at the Blues and how well they're recruited in. Having that win in, in Trans Tasman as well, um, you know they're probably a team that I think you know would probably be front runners other than ourselves. And um, you look at any other New Zealand team as well. The Chiefs will have Brody Retallick back, and there's been some great signings in other in other New Zealand um, franchises. And then you know you look at the Reds and the Brumbies as well. Um, they've been successful in that um, Trans Tasman. You know they could get a good start next year. Hopefully it's a full competition. It's not going to be Super Rugby Aotearoa to start with. Then. Um, Super Rugby AU to start with. Hopefully, it can be a full competition. But um, you know, those from the um, Australian competition, I still have to think the Brumbies and um, the Reds would be someone that could push it close as well. Uh, I, I honestly just think every team's a, a chance. I think there's been good recruiting in the um, off season, especially of the Kiwi teams. Um, I certainly think um, those two Aussie sides and the Reds and the Brumbies have got squads uh, decent enough to. to uh, for a finals berth. So I, I think it's exciting with the two new teams, the sort of unknown um, of what they could bring as well. So it's, it's, I, I don't think you can ever go into um, Super Rugby uh, confident, but I think if you're within those environments, there's enough around you to believe that it could be your team um, that wins. But 
you know, my heart will always um, be supporting the Blues, no doubt about that. Um, but but uh, as long as the New Zealand side wins, I'll be happy. <laughs> well done. Well done. You're kidding, you're, <laughs> you're kidding, Jim, mate. You've got that Blues jersey at the back, mate. Just tell it how it is. You've recruited well. Mate, mate. that's hard earned, brother. Well that run right there, that's hard earned, mate. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And on that typical note, that is a great way to end the Aotearoa Rugby Pod for another year. Thank you all for joining us, whether you're listening or watching online with Rugby Pass or you're watching on Sky. We really appreciate you tuning in. The boys put in a lot of effort. Uh, so thank you to Jipper. Thank you to Bryn for the effort that you put in to making sure people get really cool analysis and good insights. Thank you also to Kingsley Hockley, who's kept us going, our director, um, when we we're all over the place. Uh, Alex and Ra from Rugby Pass for producing the show. You guys have done a wonderful job. And from me, Ross Carl, thank you all for watching. We'll see you all again next year for the Aotearoa Rugby Pod. Have a wonderful Christmas and New Year's. Matewa.